The Rugby World Cup started in 1987 and there have been some truly special moments over the years. But which ones are truly the best of the best? In this video I will count down the top 10 best Rugby World Cup moments. Let's get started. Number 10. New Zealand hammering Japan 145-17 at the 1995 Rugby World Cup. The All Blacks were the best attacking team at the 1995 World Cup in South Africa, no doubt about it. They steamrolled all of their opponents, and their coach Laurie Maines made several changes, resting his very best players, for the match against Japan in Bloemfontein. Now at the time, Japan were not a particularly strong side, but nobody thought that New Zealand would put 100 points past the Japanese on that Sunday afternoon. Special mention to Mark Ellis, who scored six tries that day. That remains the World Cup record for number of tries in an individual match. It was also enough to make him the joint top try scorer at the tournament with Jonah Lomu, who played a lot more than just that one match against Japan. And as much as Mark Ellis will be lauded, we can also mention Simon Culhane, the New Zealand fly half that day, who scored 45 points. But, as we shall see later in this video, the Japanese would turn things around. Number 9. New Zealand win their second Rugby World Cup Going into the 2011 World Cup, the All Blacks were again the favourites, as they perennially are. However, they had established a reputation of choking at the Rugby World Cup. Even though they won the inaugural event in 1987 on home soil, in 91 they were beaten in the semi-finals, 95 they lost in the final, 99, they were shocked by France in the semi-finals, they lost in the semis again in 03 to Australia, and then the French surprised them again in 07, this time in the quarter-final. But could the All Blacks finally win another Rugby World Cup? Well, they did exactly that in 2011 on home soil, again just like in 87. After winning their pool, they advanced to the quarter-finals against Argentina, which they won, and then a semi-final against Australia, and then came the final against France, strangely enough, just as it was in 1987. But in 87, the final score was 29-9, the All Blacks completing a rout. In 11, the match was considerably closer. Eventually, they overcame a stubborn France by 8 points to 7. And finally, they again had their hands on the Webb Ellis Cup. Number 8. Yanni de Beer kicks 5 drop goals against England in the 1999 Rugby World Cup quarter-final. The Springboks were the defending champions going into the 99 tournament, although their form that year hadn't been particularly good. England were a team that were on the rise, although maybe the box caught them with a little bit of fatigue. Because of the format of the tournament, it meant that England had to play a playoff match on the Tuesday before that quarter-final, whereas the Springboks had a week off between their last pool game and the quarter in Paris at the Stade de France. Nevertheless, the box were the better team and they'd established a lead at half-time. And then in the second half, it was time for the Yanni de Beer show. Incredibly, the Bach fly-half slotted a world-record five drop goals as the box cantered to victory. The final score was 44-21. Number 7. The opening match of the 1995 Rugby World Cup. Now remember that the Springboks were absent from the tournament in 87 and 91 because of isolation. They made their return to international rugby in 1992 and played at their first World Cup in 95. The opening match would take place at Newlands in Cape Town. 
Their opponents would be the defending champion Wallabies, a team that hadn't lost a rugby match for more than a year and were on a nine-match hot streak. After a spectacular opening ceremony, which featured President Nelson Mandela opening the tournament and you could clearly hear the crowd cheering Nelson Nelson, the box set about their business against the Australians. Now the Aussies started the better team, it must be said, and they had established a lead, 13-9, and the box were actually a little bit nervous in those opening 20 minutes, but after that they began to settle, and then Peter Hendricks scored a memorable try as he rounded the legendary Wallaby wing David Campisi, and the box led 14-13 at the break. In the second half, South Africa took control and were eventually 27-13 ahead before the Aussies scored a late consolation try. South Africa were up and running. The victory also meant that they would avoid England in the quarterfinals, who were the Five Nations champions at the time. And that victory certainly brought about a sense of elation in the host nation. South Africa's citizens were on board with the Springbok team. We are first time really on the international stage. Our first World Cup ever, playing at Newlands, jam-packed. I've never seen so many painted faces and South African flags flying. And to add to it, we're playing the incumbent world champions in Australia. And I'm up against my another childhood hero in, in Phil Kearns. So nobody really gave us a chance, but we gave ourselves a phenomenal chance knowing that we the new kids on the block, we were just younger, we were fitter, albeit that they were icons uh, of the game. But I think they were just a little bit overcooked in terms of, of age. It was their time to get knocked over. Number six, Johnny Wilkinson's winning drop goal at the 2003 Rugby World Cup. No doubt about it, England were the favourites coming into the 03 World Cup and at worst they were the joint favourites with New Zealand. But the English were the Six Nations champions, they had also won the Grand Slam, and in June of that year travelled to New Zealand and Australia and secured famous away wins. Almost unbelievably, the win over the Wallabies in Australia was the first time that England had ever won against the Aussies in their own country. That would stand them in good stead ahead of a final that featured the English and the Wallabies. After winning their pool stage, the English moved through the quarterfinals against Wales and semi-finals against France before taking on the host nation. They were in the lead quite comfortably at half-time but didn't score a point in the second half. Australia came back and the score was 14-14 at full time and that meant extra time. It was then 17-17 and just as the match was coming to an end, Johnny Wilkinson received the ball. Now remember that Johnny was a left footer and he kicked with his right foot on this occasion to slot what would be the winning drop goal and a memorable win for the English. To date, it remains the only time that England have won the Rugby World Cup and also the only occasion that a Northern Hemisphere team has won the tournament. We'll see if that changes in 2023. You've just got to hold your nerve at that. And it's easy to talk about it and to say those things, but you've just got to hold your nerve at that point because World Cups are about pressure. You know, I've talked about it right at the start, feeling the pressure of the moment. At that point, it's just, you know, uh, I think I carried the ball, pass, pass, catch, rock, pass, kick, right? Stuff you do, you know, I could get my 15-year-old boys team to do that, um, ideally. But when you're doing it in a World Cup final, everything is 
laced with if you drop this ball if we don't if you don't do this this game will be remembered forever in our history you know so but i think experience helps you today you just you just do you know as i said at the start it's just a game of rugby pass me the ball i'll catch it pass to him he'll kick it and um and off we go so we we you know we we probably did what we should have done a little bit early on just set ourselves up and get some points on the board but it made it a hugely dramatic way to you know to win the game to go down to the last kick basically and number five Jonah Lomu overruns England in the 1995 Rugby World Cup semi-final. In the pool stage, we had already seen this unique weapon that the All Blacks had on the left wing, a giant of a man named Jonah Lomu. He was running over opponents, he was scoring tries for fun, and even when he didn't score tries, he was taking out two or three opponents at the same time, which created space for whoever was on his outside or inside to go home and score a try for the All Blacks. Jonah would score four tries in the semi-final against England, who were literally overrun at times in that Newlands encounter. The final score was 45-29, and no doubt New Zealand's opponents in the final, South Africa, would have watched that semi-final and wondered, how are we going to stop this guy? And also no doubt the rest of the world must have been watching and also wondering, how on earth were the box going to stop that guy? Jonah's performances would lead to him becoming what would be referred to as rugby's first ever global superstar. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800 006 008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Number four. New Zealand win the first ever Rugby World Cup in 1987. As it turns out, the All Blacks were far and away the best team at that tournament. They slayed Italy in the opening match of the tournament before annihilating Fiji and easily defeating Argentina to top their pool. In the quarterfinal, they easily took care of business against Scotland before thrashing Wales in the semi-finals. They then came up against France in the final and won 29-9. Interestingly, that 20-point margin was the closest that any opponent got to them in that entire tournament. And in a spectacular natural moment, a rainbow appeared over Eden Park that day. It was almost as if God was saying, I like this Rugby World Cup idea. After I scored my try, definitively, that was the moment. If you see the video footage, uh, you see me sort of hammering the ground after scoring the try. And the reason was that I knew I just had this overwhelming feeling that we were going to win the match. But not to that point, because it was actually pretty tough. I think it was 12, six at halftime. So maybe it was nine, six or something. It was It was close at halftime. We'd scored a converted try and a penalty, um, something like that. And so it was it was tight at halftime. And we turned to play into the into the wind in the second half. So I was very adamant with the team at halftime. This was about grind, and this was about doing the simple things well, and this was about eliminating mistakes. It was about making um, making tackles and winning the winning the breakdown. Um, and there was there was we had to score first in the second half because if they scored first in the second half and, and got in front of us or came with us, that would really boost. So we played a bit of a grinding second half until that sort of magic five minutes, 
when I scored my try and then we went back to the kickoff and they kicked off and, and I made another break and then um, Wayne Shelford picked it up and passed to John Kerwin and he scored. So it was probably a magic two minutes that we scored two tries um, and that really put the game out of reach for France. Number three, and this gives me no pleasure, by the way, Japan shocks South Africa. Going into the opening pool matches for these two teams in 2015, the Springboks were overwhelmingly the favourites. We know that Japan had a history at the Rugby World Cup, remember that 145-17 thrashing at the hands of New Zealand, but to be fair to the Japanese, they had improved since then. There was no ways that the box were going to put 145 points on them. That said, 45 points seemed more realistic. I personally thought something like 45-15 would be a good win for the Springboks in that match in Brighton. However, the Japanese were coached by the astute Eddie Jones, and they put in one of the all-time great performances and pulled off possibly one of the greatest, if not the greatest, shock in the history not only of rugby, but of all sport. It's also worth mentioning that the score at the time of them scoring their winning try was 32-29 to South Africa. Now, the Japanese received a penalty. If they had put that over, it would have been 32-32, and even a draw would have been seen as a magnificent result for them. However, they showed tremendous bravery in deciding why go for the draw when the victory is on here. And sure enough, they did exactly that. They pulled the Bok defence from left to right, and then, in a memorable moment, Kane Hasket scored what would be the winning try for the Japanese. Yeah, no, it's, um, it happens. Huh? Um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I can't like, put a finger to it, like what went wrong and how we did, we, did we prepare well? Did we train well the week? What, um, everything went right during the game. Uh, oh, like I said, we, we couldn't finish opportunities. Um, Japan capitalized on our mistakes and obviously they did. They were, they were brave. I have to say for Japan were brave uh, to go for the win. Uh, they could have gone for the draw. I remember they had a penalty in front of the post. They could have gone for the draw, but they were brave and they were, they were brave and they, 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 they took the opportunity. Um, they, they smelled some blood in the water and yeah, and they took the opportunity. They scored in a corner and obviously my face was everywhere in the corner in Japan. For, for for the try trying to save try saving tackle, but they scored. So, unfortunately, it happens. It was um, it still hurts today. Uh, it still gives me nightmares um, when you see it on TV and uh, everywhere on social media. You see it, and uh, yeah, something I can never never erase in my head. Uh, but it happens in, in rugby. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Number 2. France's sensational semi-final turnaround against New Zealand in the 1999 Rugby World Cup semi-final. No one gave France a hope in hell, it has to be said. The All Blacks had dominated the tournament up until that moment, whereas France had quietly made their way to the semi-finals. It's also worth noting that the French had had a terrible Five Nations earlier in the year, so getting to the semis was almost seen as the ultimate achievement for them. But they had other ideas. Even though New Zealand had established a 24-10 lead early in the second half, the French then turned on the style. A series of penalties and drop goals got them back to within touching distance, and then came an avalanche. 
Le Bleu became unplayable for the next half an hour and they surged to a famous 43-31 upset victory. No one could have foreseen that. And that leads me to number one, South Africa winning the 1995 Rugby World Cup. Yeah, sure, I might be a little bit biased here, but so what? This is my video and it's my list. Going into the tournament, the Springboks were not the outright favourites. I think that that mantle belonged to the world champions Australia, who hadn't lost for more than a year and had won nine in a row, as well as Five Nations champions England, who had also won the Grand Slam. France, New Zealand and South Africa were probably part of a secondary group of teams that were considered contenders for the title. But after seeing off the Wallabies in that opening match and beating Romania and Canada and Western Samoa in the quarterfinals, South Africa met the French in the semi-finals in Durban, a memorable win in the wet, and then came the final. New Zealand were the favourites, make no mistake. They had Jonah Lomu in their arsenal to boot, but the Springboks put on one of the great performances. They were the better team that day in Johannesburg at Ellis Park, and even though the match went to extra time, they really should have won in normal time. That said, referee Ed Morrison ruled out a legitimate try from Ruben Kreer, otherwise the score might have been 16-9. But if the score had been 16-9, that means there wouldn't have been extra time and we would have been robbed of one of the great iconic moments in the history of the Rugby World Cup, and that is that famous Joel Stransky drop goal. Well, it was, um, you know, it was 12-all, we were... We had a scrum in a good position. I think it was around about the 22, just off to the right. And big blindside. And we had a couple of great blindside moves. You know, we had a couple of moves we, we'd scored it with the one we called actually we'd scored against Australia with. And it's, um, you know, when you got the likes of Eust and Andre Joubert and James Small on the outside there, or I think it was still, I think James was still on the field at that point. Um, and, and, and you've got, you know, a guy like Wood Australia, you can pick up off the base and accelerate around the corner. You, you have a massive threat and you can stretch defences and, you know, we'd stretch them and then throw in the inside pass or we'd stretch them and then throw in the outside pass. Um, and, and we, we, we call the move to go to the blind side. And they'd obviously studied our, 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 our game, our moves, because as soon as, um, the scrum was set, the way they stood up, they lined up to defence. It was clear as day they knew what we were going to do and they had all those bases covered. But what that does is, it leaves space on the open side again. And uh, so I, I, I called to Yost. I said, cancel, you know, send the ball back this way. Well, we've got to go this side. There's not often you, you overrule Francois Pinot's call. So we, um, he looked at me a little bit surprised. And I said, and, and you know, the, the noise and the crowd and the, and the, the huge volume, it's quite hard to communicate. And uh, we did a lot of it by hand signal and uh, and he didn't, uh, he cancelled the move and sent the ball back. And Kitchen had me working on the drop goal. So um, I was hitting them sweet. So it's just a matter of making sure, you know, it, no one charged it down. And fortunately, no one did. And who could ever forget President Nelson Mandela coming out before the time wearing Francois Pinot's number six jersey? Equally memorable was Nelson Mandela handing the trophy to Pinar, and when Francois hoisted the trophy into the air, Madiba decided that he would punch the air in victory as well. What a joyous moment that was. So what do you think? Do you agree with this list? Did I miss anything? Is something a little bit higher up than what it should be? Is something lower down than what it should be? Let me know in the comment section. 